Welcome to Paving the Path. I'm your host, Shiva Mirosaini. People know me as a customer experience champion and a digital executive at Fortune 50 companies. I plan on paving the path in my show with women game changers, thought leaders, and executives touching the entire spectrum of digital transformation in healthcare. Join me in exploring the digital renaissance that's shaping healthcare today and forever, changing the future of wellness, care, and health. Welcome to another episode of Paving the Path. Today, my guest is Jessica Zeske. She's the managing partner at Eco Health Ventures, where Jessica identifies and invests in emerging and growth stage companies and supports Eco's mission to drive systemic healthcare transformation through hands-on, purpose-driven strategic investing. She's a seasoned venture capitalist, and by that I mean 20 plus years of venture investing purely in healthcare. She has many board appointments across many exciting and fast growing companies, and she has been in the forefront of innovation for at least a couple of decades. Prior to Eco Ventures, she was Director of Healthcare Investments at GE Ventures and also a principal at Lemhi Ventures. I can go on and on with her fabulous, extensive, and very rich background, but we have a lot of ground to cover. So I would love to welcome her to this episode of Paving the Path and very much appreciate having you on this episode, Jessica. Tell us about uh, yourself a little bit, uh, surely filling the gaps uh, that I might have missed in my intro, but probably more importantly, tell us about how you find yourself at this moment in time in healthcare, given your starting point back when healthcare probably looked very, very different than what we are experiencing right now. Thank you so much, Shiva, and I'm delighted to be here and talk a little bit about Echo Health Ventures, the important work we do, and coming back to that notion of how are we transforming healthcare to make it more affordable, accessible for for all Americans. I want to start by saying my entire career has been in this space. It has been all the way back to when I was doing graduate work in public health, trying to figure out how electronic medical records, if, again, if they were adopted, how they might change the doctor-patient communication. That was, you know, late 90s, we did not have electronic microwaves. We didn't have the pipes we have now. We didn't have, um, getting all the way even to the AI we have now. But coming back to the, the fundamentals of how do we get accessible insurance to the under, under and uninsured? How do we get care to where people need it? If they have two jobs, how are they able to access care and innovations that we've seen over the years for that? I've had the privilege of having a front seat at at being able to be there through those innovations. Building and growing great companies at Echo Health Ventures, we couldn't do it without what we call our alliance. Um, Our alliance, we invest on behalf four different blue plans. That's Cambia up in the Pacific Northwest, Blue Cross North Carolina, Arkansas Blue Cross Blue Shield, and Blue Cross Blue Shield of Tennessee. Those four blue plans are very strong regional plans. They've come together to say, hey, how can we truly make a difference at a bigger scale and have um, partnered with Echo Health Ventures so that we can go find companies where we say, these are at the forefront 
we're going to change how we deliver care. We're going to change how we, you know, all the way back to the back office of health insurance also. But coming back to, again, what I said, which is that build and grow great healthcare companies. I've had a privilege of doing this over my career, and it's an exciting time right now. Absolutely. And thanks so much for clarifying kind of ECHO's um, foundation and kind of being backed by this alliance, I think it, it kind of sets it apart differently from other venture capital firms. And when I look at your portfolio and I welcome our audience to check it out, it's very purpose driven. These are not just tech enabled or SaaS or technology AI companies in healthcare. They are very much aligned with how payers in particular, you know, the alliance can really improve the way they bring products and serve their members in a meaningful way. I mean, I'm looking at your website right now. I'm looking at Eleanor Health, which I know you're on the board. I'm looking at CD Block, which is near and dear to my heart, Allidate and many others. Can you speak to maybe one or two examples where uh, just that alliance and the way you guys are structured made a meaningful difference with respect to how you identify and kind of connect the dots to put capital where you can see measurable and accelerated way of changing members' lives in a meaningful way? It's a great question, and it builds upon this notion that we, we've tried to build Echo Health Ventures differently by being not a corporate venture fund and not a pure institutional. It is a new model, and I could speak the entire podcast about what the foundations of how you build a new model like that with this amazing team we have at Echo But it really comes back to that feedback and that push and pull we have with the alliance because we do want to be ahead of them um, at times and bring ideas that they haven't seen before. I'll use Strive as an example of that. We invested in Strive with some great uh, syndicate of partners when it was a time where we didn't see kidney care on the headlines of news and probably spent more time talking with the alliance members about what kind of some of the things we saw coming. I won't say it was a PowerPoint, but it was pretty early in its stage of development. Fast forward. So that's a great example of something that we would say, hey, we're we're fairly early on in that process. Eleanor being a something that is kind of coming the other way, which is our alliance members have really pushed us to say It doesn't matter how many mental health, behavioral health, you think we're saturated of all these new codes, it's still not enough. We still need more resources. And specifically in Eleanor, the substance use disorder space, where it is very underserved. And the the whole notion of bringing value-based care to substance use disorder and addressing the total cost of care is a that innovation that the alliance has done a great job pulling us that way. And this that's a, this push and pull is what is so healthy, I think, about this. We do want to be bringing things that they they can use, and that's part of what we we track metrics on that and and things like that. But that they're going to bring us priorities and insights that we don't have otherwise. And that's what makes this, as I'm glad you spent some time looking at our portfolio, it's a rich portfolio full of diverse founders, diverse companies, meaning two different things, companies in different markets and diverse founders that I think really bring a richness to helping Americans. Yes. And, and you know, having been in the payer space myself at Edna, 
even in the short time period I was there, which was, you know, about five years or so, things evolved very, very quickly. I mean, in the past 10 years, we are seeing payers essentially moving from just being the financier of healthcare to becoming an active participant in members' health journey. And some, to your point about kidney care, taking an active role to actually bringing solutions to, to their members and put them on a, on a healthier path. And that's a great segue to my next question, because when we think about the evolution of healthcare, which back in the days was very much confounded to the doctor's office or the hospital, now we are growingly moving towards healthcare anywhere type of thing. The paradigm shift also has moved towards a more patient-centric and what we like to call on this podcast, consumer-centric experience. With all the improvements and changes that has happened over the past decade or so in healthcare, we still have a long way to go. I'm sure you agree. And members are still dealing with a lot of complexities in the healthcare system where they shouldn't be. And you brought up the point around accessibility, the ease of use, that frictionless. How does EcoHealth Ventures help design a better consumer experience? We are awash in acronyms across healthcare. And I think the deeper you get into insurance, (laughs) the more you do. We have things like PMPM, the per member per month payments, the per engaged member per month, per, or even going back to the, we, we do business models and we call them B to B to C. But in healthcare and especially in the insurance side, it, it tends, it can end up being B to B to B to M member. And it is, I will say it's not only trouble for the members, it's trouble for the entrepreneurs who are trying to figure out how to make it through this value chain which isn't adding much value, to get the member the solution they need. So how are how is Echo Health Ventures trying to design a better consumer experience? Well, first of all, it is what I think we've talked so much, and it's finally coming to fruition in this country, is really helping get healthcare at home. And a great example of that is one of our later stage companies now called Dispatch Health, which is really on the forefront of bringing all sorts of providers into the home and meeting individuals where they need to be treated. But also companies like Heartbeat Health, which is bringing a new model of cardiology and where you'd say cardiology, but that has to be done in the lab. You actually, the management of those conditions, the testing, the monitoring, that can all be done at home. And so when we start to think about underserved, rural, remote populations, when we start to think about wait times of six months, nine months to see a cardiologist or an elderly person who shouldn't be potentially going to the emergency room, that is a consumer experience that isn't what you'd call a consumer experience. It's the healthier experience also and the better experience for the individual. I think those two examples bring it's in new forms of provider and novel care that you use the word patient-centric um, in the beginning and consumer-centric. Absolutely, it is. it does require changing some of the payment models. And that's where having insurance and health plans as Echo's partner, because we can help design and drive some of that payment um, innovation also. Oh, wow. That's so illuminating. Is it fair to say that the changes and the innovation that we are seeing presented by some of these more 
I guess, progressive startups, like you mentioned, bringing healthcare home. I mean, bringing from IoT to digital health and connected health, really, and bringing and embracing members and patients at home. Is it fair to say that in a way it's also challenging and at the same time presenting the opportunity for the payers to change their business model? And if so, what are, what are you witnessing on that side? This question um, evokes very seminal moment in my career. Back in the late 90s, I heard a professor give a talk that had three words on the board, follow the money. And when that really changed the progression, not just into venture capital, but changed the progression of my career to always look at how providers are being reimbursed and how novel insurance design can change provider behavior. And when it impacts the insurance can also change the consumer's behavior. But staying on that provider side, we're seeing innovation in value-based care in bundles that are now changing, even Medicare Advantage, it's changing our industry. And I think great things are coming out of that companies that we've, some of them we've already talked about, but also like Wildflower, where we start to say, how can we change pregnancy if there actually is more value-based care and pregnancy outcomes by paying OBs for all the work that they do? And how can we address some of those maternal challenges? if there is a bigger payment associated with it and they can buy more resources and putting that with the OBGYNs to help make those decisions because they do know what is best for these patients and giving them that power, following the money, they will also thrive under those models as well as the patients. So I think there is some exciting opportunity ahead. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. But I wonder, holistically, if you can give us a reality check, you know, what kind of progress can we expect in the healthcare industry in the next one or two years? And I caveat this with, you know, some of the recent events around this time that we are recording this podcast is happening. One has to do with some of the banking fallouts, you know, things that are probably already have impacted, you know, some of the startups in your portfolio, but also from a technological side, generative AI is top of mind for many. We know that the technology has been able to pass the, the exam for medical professionals at like 80, 90 uh, percentile, which is very, very high. So given that in this moment of time, what are you expecting to see as an investor, as a counsel to entrepreneurs, as well as incumbents whose business model may be impacted in a significant way. The reality check is that we've had over $20 billion come into the, from venture capital and PE into digital health, healthcare services in this expansive industry. We have seen an amazing amount of innovation and entrepreneurs heroically bringing new innovation quickly during COVID and payers, providers adopting some of those. And I think we've just seen this transformation occur over the last few years, again, with social justice, COVID, all of these things coming together at once. We've really seen some progress on that. But unfortunately, have to do take the realistic approach and say there is going to be fewer logos there are going to be fewer logos. There is are going to be canceled contracts. There is going to be a tightening ahead. And that is a natural cycle. 
you know, again, having done this for a lot of years, it is a over exuberance. It is time to come back to reality a bit in terms of the number of companies we have in certain sectors. Some we are going to have some leading uh, that needs to be that will be done in this market. So what does that mean for we'll see some consolidation, but we'll also see some bankruptcies and unfortunately some bankruptcies of some companies that were um, good ideas. And hopefully we'll be able to take some of those ideas and the companies that are moving on and continue to serve the communities that they were serving. But the first thing I think we can realistically expect is that in the next two years, we're going to see more logos potentially fall than new ones created. And that will be a switch for our markets. We're also going to see layoffs. We see a lot of headlines on that. But again, coming back to the the realistic, how much innovation can be absorbed? How much can we do? We're going to continue to push this quite a bit. But there is going to be some fallout there. This plays in, I mean, it, it touches the SVB. It touches the, we have capital. It's just a lot of that capital is going to be used to keep companies you know, the companies that are private are going to be staying private for longer. And so those companies in a portfolio are going to be fed more than potentially some new ones. And so those do have long term or some downstream effects. Um, again, I'll come back to the fewer logos in the market. So what that means for CEOs, it's going to be harder to raise money. Got to make sure you've got an ROI story, a return, a impact story that you've been able to do. And I think that's a shift that CEOs are making very, very quickly, really, not only just to show your cash flow break even model, but to show that ROI. And I think that progress is healthy. That progress back to ROI, that progress back to what is the true cost benefit against these other, that's going to be creating some absolutely stellar companies in the next five years. And traditionally, we've seen great companies come out of some of these trying experiences, and I expect to see the same. Thank you, Jessica. And that makes, as hard as it is as as an entrepreneur, I'm sure in our audience to hear that, it's the rule of nature, right? There are ups and downs. And so right now, there is this correction that's occurring, and it does take a lot of patience and tenacity to go through this cycle. What resonated with me as I was listening to you connecting to another wave of innovation that's coming up with generative AI is whether this pullback or oversaturation in health tech is going to actually slow down the next generation of innovations that are powered by autonomous, generative AI, and whether that's a good thing or are we going to see more of a rogue kind of activity in that space before some of those ideas or product services come to your doorsteps as as an investor? Yeah. The notion of rogue and medical care don't usually go hand in hand. And this is a this is why you know healthcare has been slow to adopt. It will be slow to adopt generative AI, and where you know we'll naturally see it first is on the administrative side, and that is a it's actually has some a really exciting implications of how you describe your benefits, how you whether or not you're you know whether or not you should be getting an MRI, what time point, and and how much it's going to cost. Like these are great examples of how this could be used. I agree, you know, even though it can pass the medical exam, 
that's a pretty still a big hurdle to get into actually providing care for an individual. And so I think traditionally what we see a lot of ups and downs come into what's going to happen when blockchain does X, Y, Z, what's going to happen when generative AI starts to take over more. We see these and they're, they're led with product and led with the technology. And I would, you know, how, how is generative AI going to impact and change site of service? How will generative AI help more people get treated at home than in the hospital? How will generative AI drive affordability in helping you choose your Medicare insurance, which plan you should have? I like it when it has that, not just, you know, that, that kind of next step to it, because then we're not just talking about the technology, but the business model. And then it can be accepted a little bit easier also, because it's going to touch all of these things. It's going to touch everyone's job. It just is a, I'm you know putting it a little bit more in context. And yes, I think there is there is fantastic. Again, I'll come back to brokers, <laughs> uh, call centers. Those are all jobs that we could see impacted as as early as maybe you know this year, next year, for those services. I absolutely agree with with your projection of how this will come to life, and the fact that it's not about the technology, but what it does. So much so that I feel like people might not like hearing this, but some of what we have seen in terms of investments and even unicorns, even though they have been at the forefront of innovation, they themselves make it disrupted by some of these newer generation of technology. So everyone has to have higher level of flexibility, adoption, and tenacity, staying true to exactly what you said, the purpose, the cause, the mission, the context, but agnostic to the technology and be able to nimble to just productize on the best of breed at a very agile and speedy fashion. This is fabulous. And and I know we have limited time, but I have a couple of more questions. Let me bring us to kind of eco-health venture and kind of where you are headed in the next six to 12 months. In particular, what is your point regarding mental health and wellness space? I know that eco-health is very much active in that kind of genre of products and services. What do you see in the near-term future and uh, what is your approach in that particular space? I have the exciting news that as of January 2023, we invested in a company called Cortica. Cortica is really in the pediatric side of, uh, well, it treats autism and other related and affiliated diseases. And that is a great opportunity, I think, for for Echo to bring another, we talked about it in the beginning, the patient-centric, the how do you actually do all the wraparound services around patients who need need care like this the most. And so Cortica being another company that we just added to our portfolio, and we're going to just continue doing that. Where where do we really feel we can add value to a syndicate, um, add something that we know that is so needed in this country? I will say our perspective is a little bit broader than that, which is how can we infuse it in every single one of our portfolio companies? And I'll I'll come back to, you know, wildflower health, maternity, 
while you're giving maternity care, where is the link to care for depression, for postpartum depression, to any other challenges that that woman may be having during that pregnancy? When, you know, with Eleanor, it's just, it's so infused in all, in so many of our portfolio companies that it's, it's not just because it's quartet or it is, you know, cortica in that portfolio truly in the behavioral health portfolio. It is all of our companies. You know, you mentioned CityBlock in the beginning, and I put Allidate in there also. Companies that are looking at the whole person, and you cannot do that without looking at the behavioral health aspect, which is, a we used to carve, you know, in the insurance world, we used to have it all be a carve out. And it, there's, it's such a different time now where we finally see the whole the whole person and taking care of that whole person. As I work with my clients in the you know early stage, mid stage companies, growth stage companies, what I notice is a lot of times there are these point solutions that are addressing a piece of the problem and or a particular situation for a given audience, be new moms. But in fact, that same audience and sector can benefit from a whole host of other solutions. But when they are presented by a list of products or services from a customer experience perspective, that can be very overwhelming. And I think that's what you're suggesting from a venture perspective, not just looking at postpartum or breastfeeding support, but really putting a holistic approach in terms of bringing products and services that address that stage of life with respect to women, for example, or children when it comes to mental health or the likes, which I just love, love how you put that. And so that's absolutely wonderful. Last question, very quick. What are other trends, perhaps even from other sectors outside of healthcare that you're paying attention to or drive inspiration from? So when I think about where do we see innovation coming, where is it most needed? I'll come back to the I have family in, in Nebraska, and I'm very proud to have, uh, but when I think about a teacher in South Central Nebraska, what are the tools, what are the virtual care, what are they really going through? That's a really long way away from Cambridge, in, um, and I'm here in Boston, and the type of healthcare that one can get at when surrounded by world-renowned hospitals. And there's two threads in that is where is the site of service? What can be done virtually? What can be done at home? What can be done to extend second opinions, et cetera, to an individual who may not have access to some of that care? And secondly, how do we actually make that care affordable? And then, so we started with affordability and accessibility. And I think that's where I just have to end because that. It's who you have in mind when you are also trying to look at these solutions. And to me, having someone who is in a non-urban area, someone who has more than one job, someone who is taking care of their parents and children, when when we start to put our lens on how is it going to work for that person, then you actually make investments that are better for Americans, not just for people who are you know, living in Cambridge or in Silicon Valley or something like that. That's really where healthcare happens. And I'll come back to the fundamentals of how our alliance helps us keep our eye on those local markets 
and the needs that they have and the needs that their members have is, again, a privilege of being able to do this job and trying to change healthcare for all of them. Absolutely. Speaking of privilege, it's been a privilege to have you on the show, Jessica. Thank you so, so much for your time and the words of wisdom. Very quickly, if our folks um, our audience want to reach out to you, uh, where do you direct them? Social media, LinkedIn, uh, your website? Yeah, I, yeah you're welcome to uh, all of the above. Um, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. And I do read those and, um, and respond. So thank you. Fabulous. Thank you so, so much for your time. Thank you for our audience uh, taking the time to listen in. It's a pleasure to have you all and uh, wish you all the best. Uh, until next time, have a great day. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Tell your colleagues to tune in for all the awesomeness, then leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. This show is produced by Shift Forward Health, the channel for changemakers. Subscribe to Shift Forward Health on your favorite podcast app, and you'll be subscribed to our entire library of shows. See our full lineup at shiftforwardhealth.com. One subscription, all the podcasts you need, and it's all for free. And remember, we might have a lot of work to do in healthcare, but we'll get there faster together. Thanks again.